is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to African News Tonight from the English to Africa service of The Voice of America, your source for Pan-African news and world developments. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. Coming up on African News Tonight... We should not allow the idea of who should be a mediator to further delay the situation that you have just mentioned. The humanitarian situation is first hand in any peace process. Nansongo Molero, who teaches diplomacy and international relations at the Technical University in Kenya on the need to push for a ceasefire in Ethiopia's Tigray region. Also, protesters clashed with police in Tunisia's capital over the weekend. Egypt's energy minister says gas supplies in the Mediterranean region are probably sufficient to supply the needs of Europe. And the NBA says Hall of Famer Dikembe Mutombo is undergoing treatment for a brain tumor. We'll have these stories and more on African News Tonight. We start with our top story with Ethiopian and Eritrean forces pushing into the Tigray region. International concern is growing about rising civilian casualties. A short time ago today, Antonio Guterres, the Secretary General of the United Nations, called on for an immediate ceasefire in the conflict. The situation in Ethiopia is spiraling out of control. Violence and destruction have reached alarming levels. The social fabric is being ripped apart. Hostilities in the Tigray region of Ethiopia must end now, including the immediate withdrawal and disengagement of Eritrean armed forces from Ethiopia. There is no military solution. Civilians are paying a horrific price Indiscriminate attacks, including in residential areas, are killing more innocent people every day, damaging critical infrastructure, and limiting access to vital services. Hundreds of thousands of people have been forced to flee their homes since hostilities resumed in August, many of them for the second time. And we are also hearing disturbing accounts of sexual violence and other acts of brutality against women children and men. All parties must adhere to their obligations under international humanitarian law. Civilians must be protected. And so two humanitarian workers who are being attacked and even killed delivering life-saving humanitarian aid. The level of need is staggering. Even before the resumption of hostilities, 13 million people required food and other support across Tigray Amhara and Afar. Deliveries of aid into Tigray have been suspended for more than seven weeks and assistance to Amhara and Afar has also been disrupted. All parties must allow and facilitate the rapid and unimpeded passage of humanitarian relief for all civilians in need. The United Nations is ready to support the African Union in every possible way to end this nightmare for the Ethiopian people. We need the urgent resumption of talks towards an effective, lasting political settlement. And the international community must rally together now for peace in Ethiopia. That was UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres. 
International concern is rising about an offensive by Ethiopian and Eritrean government forces in Ethiopia's Tigray region. Ethiopia's federal authorities on Monday said they will assume control of airports and other infrastructure in the region, while the Tigray regional government said it would respect an African Union call for an immediate ceasefire. Mohamed Yasuf reports from VOA's news center in Nairobi. Ethiopian authorities said Monday their forces will take charge of the aviation, transport and communication infrastructure in the embattled Tigray region. The head of the Horn Institute for Strategic Studies, Hassan Khananji, told VOA the government's goal is to control the movement of the rebels and humanitarian services in the Tigray region. Any limitations to ability to uh, transport and move around and communicate tends to heighten an existing, you know, a situation such a humanitarian situation is already going on right now in, in Ethiopia. In part because, number one, humanitarian organizations are going to find it harder to reach those areas. Uh, communication is going to be limited with regard to assisting for help or humanitarian assistance. So, of course, then that is going to uh, make things worse for those who are already vulnerable. The government defended its move to take over key facilities in the Tigray region, saying the move will protect the country's sovereignty and territorial integrity and speed up humanitarian aid to those who need assistance. In a statement, the government blamed the rebel Tigray People's Liberation Front for violating the five-month-old ceasefire in August and carrying out an offensive against government forces and allied militia groups. On Saturday, the chairperson of the African Union Commission, Musa Faki, called for a new ceasefire and resumption of humanitarian services. The Tigray leadership say they are not to blame for the escalation of the conflict and are ready to respect a ceasefire. The TPLF also called for the withdrawal of Eritrean troops in the region and for the international community to press the Ethiopian government to begin peace talks. This month's planned talks in South Africa failed to take off and logistical challenges were blamed for the postponement. The Ethiopian government said Monday it is committed to a peaceful resolution of the conflict through the African Union-led talks. However, the government and TPLF have yet to agree on who should lead the reconciliation process. Nasongo Muliro teaches diplomacy and international relations at the Technical University in Kenya. He says mediation and political settlement take time, but there is an immediate need to push for a ceasefire and provide urgent humanitarian support to the war victims. We should not allow the idea of who should be a mediator to further delay the situation that you have just mentioned. The humanitarian situation is first hand in any peace process. That even before we jump to the mediator, if there is a ceasefire, then have we provided the welfare survival mechanisms for the victims before we think of now resolving the conflict. The conflict, which began in November 2020 in the Tigray region between the government forces and the Tigray rebel groups, has led to the deaths of tens of thousands. Rice groups accuse both sides of committing widespread human rights violations. The UN Humanitarian Office says 20 million Ethiopians need humanitarian assistance and thousands of people continue to flee conflict in the north of the country due to conflict. Mohamed Yusuf for VOA News, Nairobi. Egypt's energy minister says 
Gas supplies in the Mediterranean region are probably sufficient to supply the needs of Europe if investments are made to exploit gas fields in the area. Edward Iranian reports from Cairo. Egyptian TV reported Saturday that Cypriot President Nikos Anastasiadis thanked Egypt for its efforts to jointly coordinate the exploitation of regional undersea natural gas resources by putting together the East Mediterranean Gas Forum last June. Arab media also reported Saturday that Egypt's energy minister, Tariq al-Mullah, who attended the one-day conference attended by several nations in Cyprus Friday, said that gas supplies in the East Med region will be what he called a lifesaver for Europe at a time of crisis and could eventually meet Europe's gas needs if the proper investments are made. Egypt has been critical in the past of European and international finance institutions for being unwilling or unenthusiastic about making investments in regional oil fields to share the burden of bringing gas production in several undersea fields online, which is frequently very costly. Egyptian political sociologist Saeed Sadiq tells VOA that the current international crisis resulting from the conflict between Russia and Ukraine could eventually subside, and if Russian gas was again pumped to Europe, it would make some East Med gas fields less profitable to exploit. Sadiq points out that a number of East Mediterranean gas fields are fraught with problems linked to regional rivalries and conflicts between Egypt and Turkey over fields near Libya and Greece, and Turkey over fields in Cypriot territorial waters and in fields between Greece and Turkey. The Mediterranean is full of gas enough to export, but the trouble is the struggle, especially the problem with Libya. It's problematic and it will take time. The Qana field in Lebanon was not ready. Turkey, as I mentioned, wants a part of the pie. And that's why they, they were trying to do a lot of things. They tried to harass Greece. Sadiq noted that Russian President Vladimir Putin reportedly told his Turkish counterpart Rajab Tayyip Erdogan when the latter visited Moscow recently that he should extend the Turk Stream natural gas pipeline going from Russia to Turkey into Eastern Europe. Sadiq added that such a move angered a number of countries and that it would take several years to do in any case. U.S.-based energy analyst Paul Sullivan concurs with Sadiq, pointing out that there is a lot of gas in the eastern Mediterranean region, but it takes a long time to develop gas fields and transport infrastructure to get the gas to market. He stresses that over time, the east Mediterranean gas fields could bring much more gas to Europe and other places. Investing in these fields, he adds, includes financial and even political and physical risks as well. Edward Uranian for VOA News, Cairo. The NBA says Hall of Famer Dikembe Mutombo is undergoing treatment for a brain tumor. The AP's Ben Thomas of the Associated Press takes a look at the career of the native of the Democratic Republic of Congo, both on the court and off. I will give you 15, 14, 12 point whatever. 
the coach or whatever many times I touch the ball, but uh, I don't have to score uh, 20 points to make everyone happy. Could score, but in his playing days, Dikembe Mutombo made a name for himself with his defensive prowess. Not in my house. <laughs> the shot-blocking ability enhanced by his 7'2 height and celebrated in a Geico insurance ad. Happier than Dikembe Mutombo blocking a shot. Coming out of Georgetown, Mutombo spent 18 seasons in the NBA, playing for Denver, Atlanta, Houston, Philadelphia, New York, and the then New Jersey Nets. An eight-time All-Star, four-time Defensive Player of the Year, and three-time All-NBA selection. Inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2015. I'm fortunate and blessed. But off the court, Matumbo has made a mark with his humanitarian work. His foundation focuses on health, education, and quality of life in his home country, the Congo. Building a 170-bed hospital in the capital, Kinshasa, that's treated nearly half a million people, regardless of their ability to pay. The 56-year-old has also served on the boards of the Special Olympics, the CDC Foundation, and the U.S. Fund for UNICEF, the U.N. Children's Foundation. Matumbo speaks nine languages all in that deep voice. The NBA says Matumbo is undergoing treatment for the brain tumor in Atlanta and is in great spirits. I'm Ben Thomas. You're listening to African News Tonight on The Voice of America. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce's U.S. Africa Business Center is convening its first annual Africa Digital Innovation Competition for African Startups. VOA is working as a media partner with the Africa Business Center on this initiative. Out of 17,000 candidates in 50 countries in Africa, the top 10 finalists have been decided, and for the next two weeks, we'll bring you a look at each one of them. We, we begin with Amdango Ogenkiwe William from Nigeria, whose startup, Valley B, leverages tech to design and manufacture sensor-enabled beehives that help farmers monitor their bees remotely. My name is Emadago Ogenekewe William. I am 23 years old and I am from just Nigeria. I am the CEO and co-founder of Bali B. I and my team applied to the 2022 Africa Digital Innovation Competition because we saw the massive impact it will have in our product. We saw financial opportunity, the mentorship, and also the strategic partnership we can get from being part of this competition. Being one of the top 10 finalists in this competition means a lot to me personally and also to our startup because this would give us the opportunity to showcase our work and our technology to the world. This would have a massive impact on the climate and also on local beekeepers. Our product is a smart hive that is IoT enabled and sensor enabled that constantly maintains the optimal temperature and humidity that bee needs to produce honey. With our product, farmers can increase their honey yield and actually have a great impact on their local family and also to the environment. Our project will have tremendous impact in the life of local farmers and beekeepers here in Nigeria and also in Africa because we are producing a product that will help them increase their honey yield and also maximize their profit. 
And as a country like Nigeria imports over $2 billion worth of honey per year, we are empowering these farmers to cash in in this market and also make the maximum of profit. Our project also have impact in the pharmaceutical and medical industry in that honey is a very important raw material for drug production. The first thing we'll do if we win this competition is to acquire more equipment and raw material to expand our business to two more states in Nigeria, Kaduna and Nasarawa states. That was uh, Imadago Ogenekiwe William from Nigeria, whose startup, Valley B leverages tech to design and manufacture sensor-enabled beehives. Cameroon. In Cameroon, thousands of people protested today against separatist attacks and abductions at schools and churches. Demonstrators demanded to know the whereabouts of scores of people, including five Catholic priests, a nun, and two worshippers, taken last month from a church on Cameroon's western border with Nigeria. Moki Edwin Kinzeka reports from Yaoundé, Cameroon. Hundreds of people marched in Ebonyi, a village in the Tombel district, asking separatists to stop brutalizing, abducting, killing and maiming civilians. The Tombel district is in the southwest region, one of two regions that separatist groups want to split off from Cameroon for a new English-speaking state. During the daily protest that started Saturday, demonstrators say they want all schools shut down by rebels to reopen so children can have an education. The protesters say humanitarian workers, teachers, traditional rulers, hospital staff and the clergy who are often harassed, abducted or tortured by fighters should be allowed to work freely. Protesters are demanding that all captives be immediately released and said no one should be forced to pay a ransom. Among the abducted people the protesters want released are five Catholic priests, a nun and two worshippers abducted last month from a Roman Catholic church in the town of Chang. The clergy and missing parishioners are from the Roman Catholic Diocese of Mamfe. Reverend Father Humphrey Tatambui is Director of Communications at the National Episcopal Conference of Cameroon Catholic Bishops. He says the whereabouts of the abducted clergy remains unknown. Gunmen have been asking for money, and the Bishop of Mamfi, His Lordship Aloysius Abangalo, doesn't have that money they're asking for. And even if you had, I wonder whether we reach a point where the church should be giving money as ransom. Mbui said the church did not organize the protest, but that several hundred Christians are taking part in them. Cameroon's government says protests are taking place in English-speaking towns and villages, including Kumbu, Oku, Eswata, Wum, Kumba and Manfe. The government said it ordered troops to protect the protesters. Capo Daniel is Deputy Defense Chief of the Amazonian Defense Forces, one of the main separatist groups. 
Daniel accuses the government of organizing the protest to give the impression that locals are revolting against the rebels. We have seen enablers of Cameroon rule corrupt some Ambazonian forces to get population to rise up and stage this propaganda march pass calling for the disarmament of Ambazonian forces and the support of the Cameroon state. We will send our forces in those areas to investigate, and anybody that organized such treasonous demonstration will be brought to justice. Daniel did not say the form of punishment fighters will dole out. Protesters said they are counting on Cameroon government troops to protect the safety of all civilians. The government said it did not organize the protests. Civilians say their communities organized the protests because people are angry with separatists for torturing the civilians that separatists claim to be protecting. Cameroon's separatist crisis began with protests against the dominance of the French language in 2016 and degenerated into conflict the following year. The UN says the crisis has left more than 3,300 people dead and displaced more than 750,000 others. Moki Edwin Kinzaka for VOA News, Yaoundé, Cameroon. Protesters clashed with police in Tunisian capital over the weekend. Reuters says the protests took place Friday and Saturday in the poor districts of Etada, Men, and Intilika. They erupted following the burial, burial of young man who died in August in a fall during a police chase. The news service Al Arabiya says two opposition groups, Inahada Party and the Free Constitutional Party, also staged a large protest Saturday against President Kais Saeed. Saeed seized power and dissolved parliament last year amid food and fuel shortages and rising unemployment. The French news agency AFP says some in the crowd shouted, down, down, the coup will fail, and revolution against dictator Kais. The news service says former Prime Minister Ali Lareye says people are angry, and in his words, he said we are telling him to leave. The UN mission in Mali, MINUSMA, says a highway bomb killed two peacekeepers today and injured four others in the northern part of the country. According to the French news agency AFP, the mission tweeted that their vehicle hit an unimprovised explosive device during a search and detection mission. MINUSMA has 12,000 personnel in Mali. The UN says extremists linked to al-Qaeda and the Islamic State have used IEDs and mines to kill 74 peacekeepers since the start of the mission nine years ago. The explosive devices also killed 103 civilians and injured 297 last year. And that wraps up this edition of Africa News Tonight. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. For all the latest developments on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Monk Barrow, and our engineer, John Walker, 
Thanks for choosing the Voice of America. Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, 